It's MAGA Uncovered Day. I'm Anthony Davis. This is Ron Filipkowski. And uh, welcome to episode nine, I believe, of MAGA Uncovered, where we uncover the MAGA brainwashing that's not covered by the mainstream media. Um, Ron, I hope you've had a good week. Great to see you. You've been doing a lot on Twitter. I wanted to ask you, actually, because Twitter has become kind of unrecognisable in the last few days because the the rebrand. Um, how do you feel about it being called x and is <laughs> i'm just really trying to bring you over to threads that's really what it is <laughs> oh I, i'm sure i will do that uh, so many people ask me constantly when are you leaving twitter um and and i've noticed since since that a lot of people have left twitter uh i've i've talked to other people my my follower account which never goes down has gone down since that announcement and so it has it has done with a lot of people um, so no, it's a, it's completely ridiculous. Typical Musk. <laughs> yeah. I think he had been out of the news for a week or so. So he wanted to get some attention. People need to realize, cause I saw, I think Forbes wrote an article that I, I tweeted that said something along the lines of, you know, he's making a terrible marketing mistake, rebranding to X. And I, and I just wrote, you need to understand, like, this is a $44 billion Russian propaganda machine. He didn't buy the brand Twitter. He bought the database. You know, yeah. he intends, leading up to the 2024 election, you know, this is this reminds me a little bit of Cambridge Analytica kind of trying to sway the election for Trump subtly in, in, in 2016. But this is Musk doing it above the line in public trying to sway the election by using the largest social media platform available to him. Yeah. And it's more, it's more than just elections, you know, it's business. He's talking about making it a banking platform, sort of making it Amazon on steroids, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and you're right. I don't think he bought Twitter to make it a profitable social media platform. I don't think that's the reason. I mean, he didn't even have the money. I mean, the, the $44 billion was difficult to pull together. And I'm sure, I think they are investigating, you know, where all the funding came from and everything. It'd be very interesting to find out kind of what happens there. Um, just before we get into the nitty gritty of your Twitter posts this week and, you know, trying to kind of uncover the, the MAGA propaganda that is uncovered by the mainstream media... We should just mention that Hunter Biden is currently, uh, you know, in on the stand and there was a plea deal. And this kind of goes to prove to all MAGA people that Biden, Hunter Biden is not being treated with any special treatment because both sides were disagreeing about this plea deal that they'd agreed to. And at one point, um, I think Hunter's attorney, Chris Clark, snapped at the prosecutor, Leo Wise, that this wasn't the deal and that they might as well just rip it up. These are moments that happen a lot in criminal court, actually. You know, uh, I, I've had things like this happen hundreds of times. Um, part of the nature of plea agreements, especially in federal court, is a lot is left unsaid and unpromised. You don't have everything sewn up neat in a bow. And the main point of contention has to do with future charges here. You know, that, that's really the main issue, uh, which is, Hunter Biden's attorneys and him thought that they had some assurances from the U.S. Attorney's Office that once this deal was done, there would be no other charges in the future. 
And I think the judge inquired about that. Is that your understanding? And they said, yes, that's our understanding. And the U.S. attorney said, no, that's not what we've agreed to. Uh, so, so that's when it all kind of unraveled from that point. He should have got Kevin Spacey's lawyer. He would have got off without any problems whatsoever. Okay, let's dive into some of your posts this week. We're going to start with, uh, we don't often mention Fox News on here, but uh, Jesse Waters, who's you know the new star of the Fox News Tonight, and he hosts The Five occasionally, he kind of came out with something totally offensive and completely inappropriate. Um, regarding slavery. I'm going to show the clip, but I also want to connect that to what Ron DeSantis has actually kind of baked into law in Florida regarding the education curriculum there. Um, Let's just watch the clip, and then we can talk about what happened. To ask the African-Americans watching right now, what's it like to be lied to by Kamala Harris? What's it like to be lied to by these buffoons on MSNBC who didn't read the curriculum, or The View, have no idea what the story is, have no idea what's going on down in Florida, and they act upset. They act enraged on your behalf based on a lie. I have the African-American PhD uh, we just heard from. Dr. Allen is going to be on the show tonight. I mean, he says this right here. This is well-documented among historians. This is historical fact that slaves did develop skills while they were enslaved and then used those skills as blacksmiths, uh, as in agriculture, uh, tailoring, uh, in the shipping business, to then use to benefit themselves and their families once they were free. So he's effectively saying that there are skills learned as slaves. And tell us how this connects with, with the curriculum story out of Florida. Well, look, it's all in, in what you want to highlight about history. And and the problem with Ron DeSantis and his version of U.S. history is is he talks about slavery a lot and he makes excuses for it. He always wants to talk about how the founding fathers, how much they hated slavery, even the slave owners, and how much they really wanted to abolish it and how much slavery was occurring around the world and other places, et cetera, et cetera. So there's always been from Ron DeSantis... Going back to a book he wrote a decade ago, I think his first book dealt was was about the founding fathers, and and it's always minimizing the horrors of slavery. So you have to look at it in the context of that. What he, what he what he what he says may objectively be true. Okay, maybe a slave learned how to shoe horses from the the overseer of the plantation, and maybe he did that after he was freed. Okay, so what? Who cares? That's that's such an insignificant thing in the context of what slavery was about in this country. And to spend five minutes of classroom time talking about how slavery benefited the slaves is just ridiculous when you're omitting so much other stuff, which is much more important. It, It creates this picture of Hey, you know what? Slavery really wasn't that bad. You know, it was a quid pro quo. They got good things out of it. You know what? They even became Christians too. And that wouldn't have happened without slavery either. I mean, it's pure racism and white supremacy. That's what it is. I mean, you can dress it up however you like. And and sure. this is the thing that I find interesting about racists like um, Ron DeSantis and Jesse Waters is that they don't understand how some simple language of theirs is racist 
They, they think that in order to be racist, you need to, like, scream the N-word at someone in the street. Like, that's their threshold for yes. what is racist. They have that's no right. understanding of how people watching, families, will be affected by their rhetoric. And, and you know, when, when did that change? I mean, has it always been the case that the, the, the bar for racism has been, you know, dropped so low? I think so. Yeah, it's always been very subtle. I mean, maybe they're more brazen about it and more open about it now uh, than they have been in, in a few decades. But certainly Trump plays a role here with his triggering language. Certainly Fox plays a role. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, I was an African-American history teacher in Florida uh, years ago. I taught African-American history. Um, and uh, I could not imagine having that be part of what I taught. You know, in fact, the opposite is true in many cases. Like one of the reasons why um, a lot of slaves, uh, why the rice plantations in South Carolina thrive so well, Europeans had no idea how to grow rice, how to cultivate rice, irrigate rice, all of that. And people from Africa did. And so a lot of the original rice plantations only were able to be successful because of the skills that the Africans brought in how to cultivate rice. So, I mean, are they teaching that? I don't know. Well, but, yeah. if, you were, if you were teaching those stories now, you'd be accused of teaching critical race theory, right? They would, they right. would accuse you of, of CRT. And that's the thing about this kind of fake CRT concept is that there is no detail beyond it's CRT. You know, like the, the actual subtlety of the importance of telling the, the African-American story telling the slavery story and being very clear about the facts, including all of the, the worst stuff, right, from rape and lynchings and everything else. Like, it you, all has to be included. And this is what Biden said when he and presented this new memorial to Emmett Till a couple of days ago. If you ask the average person at a Trump rally what CRT is or what they perceive it to be, in one sentence, they will tell you it's teaching kids to hate America. Yeah. It's teaching kids that America is a racist country. That's what they believe CRT is. What CRT is, is an, a simple honest accounting. It, it's simply like, we're gonna look at our entire history and, and the impact that a lot of policies had and a lot of things in the constitution laws had on people of color and, and how that, that affected them and how that affects them generationally today. That's what it is. It's not teaching kids to hate America, but that's, that's what they believe. Well, because of their white supremacy, right? And so, you know, if, if Trump was to win the election, which he could, all of this will, you know, he'll bake this into federal law. You know, he'll have, this, he'll have these types of policies in every educational uh, establishment that he can to appease well, those evangelicals that are proposing it. What's interesting is him, him, Ron DeSantis, and others are talking about abolishing the Department of Education yeah. and saying there should be no role in the federal government education. And at the same time, they're talking about doing things like you just said at the federal level. So it doesn't, it's not really very consistent. Let's talk about the fake electors. They've, um, you know, are, you know, there's a lot of focus on them at the moment. This is as Jack Smith is kind of getting closer to uh, reigning Donald Trump for all of the uh, election well, it's so funny how Trump's now turning the election interference phrase and throwing it at the other side and claiming that, you know, he's being prevented from running in 2024. 
and therefore it is election interference, when, of course, the only reason to use the phrase election interference is to talk about Trump and the insurrection. Um, this is in Michigan, isn't it? These fake electors, they claim they got duped. Tell us the story. Well, this was, this was very interesting, this interview. So this local, rep- after these people were all indicted, I think it was 18 of them or so, and we talked about it last week. We yeah. showed the clip of them banging on the door. Well, what happened was a local reporter up there in Michigan called all of them. And <laughs> so, she so said good. like basic journalism. Yeah, that's real journalism. Yeah. That, what I do is not real journalism. That that's grinding it out. Yeah. And what what she said was like 17 of the 18 didn't didn't take her call, mm-hmm. wouldn't talk to her. One woman called her back and it was this it was this woman and she told the whole story and you know, a lot of people on Twitter are saying like they don't believe her. They so I believe sort of part of her story. I believe that um she knew full well that they were trying to pull a scam, but I also believe that they were taken advantage of and and possibly their signatures were were forged on some of these things. What she claims is that they were not told why they were summoned to this meeting. They were told they couldn't bring any friends or spouses. They had to come alone. It was a closed door meeting. They didn't know what it, what it was about. When they went in, they had to sign their name to a sign-in sheet. And that's basically all she knew. And that what she claims is that they then transferred those signatures onto a party official, onto the, uh, the um, electoral uh, slate certification sheet. I don't know if any of that's true, <laughs> but if it is true, the interesting part of that is somebody high up in the Michigan Republican Party did that. Yeah who's not been charged, and one of these people will probably cooperate to testify against whoever that is. Okay. Let's, uh, let's listen to this fake elector give her side of the story. She said she is a duly designated delegate for the Republican Party. She says when she was called to a meeting, she thought she was going as a delegate, not as an elector. Take a listen. We were duped. Michelle Lundgren is the ninth name on the list of accused fake electors charged by Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel with eight felonies that carry up to 80 years in prison if convicted. Are you recording this? Yes, you're being recorded. This morning she gave me permission to record our phone conversation where she explains her version of how her name got on the list of 16 total co-defendants in a scheme the Attorney General alleges tried to steal Michigan's votes for Donald Trump. The scam was bigger than all of us. She says she was summoned to Michigan's Republican Party headquarters. We were told to come. They needed us. And we went and we were, we were, we were given cake and coffee. We were called by a member of the Republican Party. Be sure you come. We really need your help. I asked if my husband could come in. They said no, no outsiders. And that became very alarming to me. This was kind of suspicious. She and others were told not to take pictures. She says she and her fellow Republicans, whom she believed to be delegates, not actual electors, were asked to sign in on an index card. Even though she was told not to snap photos, she did. And she emailed them to me this afternoon. She says it proves someone took her signature, along with the others in the room, off a plain piece of paper and transposed them to an official federal election document. We signed a sign-in sheet with our names. It fits right into the real 
elector ballot. Also in attendance, she says. We walked to the Capitol building with, it's all in news, it's all in Google, with attorney Ian Northam, a Trump attorney, and we were not allowed in the building. I was an innocent little bystander in this whole thing, thinking I was doing my civic duty. Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel says she's got proof. These 16 Michiganders deliberately and knowingly posed as electors, knowing they were... I kind of believe her, Ron, you know, because I do think that there's something... It's not exclusive to the U.S., but it's very prominent here, where people in authority are respected. Right, especially men and women, because of the fact that the U.S., when it comes to gender roles, is about 30 years behind the rest of the world. And the idea that if, like, a guy in a suit says it's true, then, you know, you'd be like, yeah, okay, you know, I need, I need to do this. And, and that really is yeah. the, the, the tragedy of the kind of modern workplace, isn't it? Uh, the most interesting part of that to me is the last couple seconds, which yeah. is mentioning it's, it was a Trump attorney, right. Ian Northam. Who is the one who did this? So, okay, has he been prosecuted and arrested? Like, I don't know if he's on the list. Like, they like they testify against him. Uh, who told? Who sent him in there to do that? Did Trump send him in there? Yeah. So there's a lot of questions here, and it seems to me like a lot of these people who have never been in trouble with the law, they're older people, average people, they're gonna cooperate because they don't want to go to prison. So whatever they know about people higher up in the food chain, they're going to spill their guts. I, I have quite a lot of compassion for people that have been duped or brainwashed. And in fact, I interviewed on the weekend show just gone Pam Hemphill, who's one of the January 6 defendants who served two months. And she's now you know, very remorseful for, for what went on. And, you know, just listening to her talk, I can totally see why people like Trump are like megastars in this world. And the idea that if, you know, if Trump, because I'm sure that whoever the Republican was, they said, oh, you know, Trump is, you know, this is endorsed by Trump or this has the support of Trump. There's something about the, the power of Trump that gives license to people to abuse his name and for people to follow. It's like disciples of Jesus. Yeah, when you think he's the Messiah and he's the only one who can save America from the evil deep state Marxists, you'll do just about anything, yeah. you know, yeah. to help him accomplish that mission. Um, let's talk about someone who is not afraid of Donald Trump, possibly the only Republican not afraid of Donald Trump, and that is Chris Christie, who uh, is kind of goading Trump to take part in these debates. Now, the debates are only, what, a month away? These kind of primary debates are about to start. Um, let me show you the clip, because I always find... I, I actually mistakenly on the show said the other day that he was honourable, and I, I only <laughs> meant in comparison to Donald Trump. I didn't mean... Like, I didn't agree with you. I know, <laughs> yeah. but I didn't mean it's in better, general. I'm a very a aware of... It's a change for you to get the heat instead of me on this show, I'm right? very happy to take it, and I apologise <laughs> to anybody who thinks I think Chris Christie is honourable, but I was comparing him at the time to Donald Trump, and I'm very aware of the, the New Jersey stuff, and the, you know, so, you know, he, he doesn't get a pass. Anyway, let's see how he chooses to poke a little stick at Trump. What if he's not on that debate stage? What does that do to you? It makes my life even better, because then I'll, I won't have to talk over him. Uh, you know him, he loves to interrupt everybody. So my biggest uh, debate prep would be to get my voice even louder than his so I could talk over him. Look, I'm going to talk about Donald Trump and his record 
whether he's on the stage or he's not on the stage. So my suggestion to him is get on the stage so there's going to be somebody there to defend why you didn't uh, build any more than 52 miles of wall in four years and that Mexico hasn't paid. <laughs> the wall is the least of Trump's problems. Yeah, the great thing about Chris Christie is, you know, number one, he's like the happy, assume the happy warrior thing, yeah. where he's he's having the time of his life right now going after. He has one focus, defeating Donald Trump and caught, inflicting his, he knows he can't win. So he's inflicting as much damage on Donald Trump as he can to try and prevent him from becoming president. He knows he's likely to be the nominee. Um, and Chris Christie knows Donald Trump inside out and backwards. I mean, he was the one who famously helped Trump prep for his debates right. against yeah, Biden. He was, he was the debate prep guy. Trump yeah. almost killed him, you know, <laughs> by giving him COVID. Yeah. So this little revenge. And, you know, Christie talked about it after the fact that, you know, he almost died and Trump never called him no. and to apologize to him, see how he was doing. And he's the one who gave him COVID. Maybe so, this whole, maybe the whole reason why Chris Christie is running is so that he can get Trump back for giving him COVID and nearly killing him. Yeah. And, and so initially it looked like, oh, maybe Christie won't qualify for the debates. Now he's going to qualify easily. So already the excuses are starting from Trump, you know, why he can't go or shouldn't go. So he started out with, uh, well, you know, um, Fox is unfair to me. They're biased. They don't like me. And this is a Fox debate. Then Brett Baer, you know, who's the moderator, he, he was unfair to me in the last interview. And I'm so far, far ahead in the polls. You know, how can this benefit me? The bottom line is, though, I, I think that it's going to be really, really hard for the ultimate narcissist who loves attention, who loves the spotlight, to sit at home and watch his rivals get the spotlight and all that attention. Yeah. But I think all of his advisors are telling him not to do it because they're right. There's really no benefit to it. Um, but I think that what my prediction is what he's going to do is skip the first debate. He's going to sit at home throwing ketchup against the wall. He's going to be absolutely miserable going out of his mind, and he'll be there at the second one. That's what I think. Is it true that Republicans are, are trying to get Joe Manchin to run as a, as a Democrat to kind of split the vote on the, on, the, on the left? I mean, this is, you know, in fact, there's another guy as well, isn't there? This is like pretty terrifying, the idea that there would be like mutiny in the ranks. Not that we haven't seen that before from Joe Manchin, of course, who is a Democrat in name only. Um, what's, what's the story there and, and how much of a, th a serious threat is it? Well, they want him to run no labels, you know, as a no label third party candidate, not right. as a Democrat. OK, so uh, no labels, just so people know, is yeah. basically a kind of Republican splinter group, uh, very much on the far right. Right. In theory, it's supposed to be bipartisan, nonpartisan. But yeah. yeah, it's it's clear that the Republicans hope that a no labels candidate will siphon off a lot of maybe moderate Democrats away from the party to go for mansion. And look, when you're running these third party ops, you know, all you need is that person to siphon off one or two percent, you know, in three or four states. And that's the ball game. So that that's all that they want from a mansion or or an RFK. I mean, they've talked about trying to get RFK to run as third party. And, and in reality that but the problem with that is they're not sure the Trump campaign is not sure if RFK would hurt them more than Biden. I mean, it may he may pull more Trump votes away from Trump if he runs third party. 
But uh, Manchin probably would hurt. Well, he certainly would hurt Joe Biden if he ran. But this but, is but why, I think I think the on. other part of it is Manchin is looking at it like he's going to lose his reelection. Yeah. Manchin is in big trouble in West Virginia. So right. I think he's looking for an out himself personally. And this is why I maintain my view that Donald Trump could win the election because of people like Manchin, because of all these kind of, you know, dirty tricks schemes that are going on in the background. That's actually a very British phrase that we use in politics in the UK. We refer to dirty tricks. Is that a phrase you use here? A little bit. Yeah. It's been a lo- it kind of went out in the 1970s. But- well, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I think you also have to include, to be fair, Joe Biden is a yes. factor. You know, Joe Biden's 82 years old. And look, when, when I talk to moderate voters, as I do all the time, who don't like Trump, I, I get the same thing every time, which is Joe Biden's too old. Joe Biden's too old. You know, and it's, we it's think so that ageist, though, we don't want Kamala why? Harris. And so we think if we're electing Joe Biden, we're going to get President Harris. That's what they say. Such a, it's such a backward and, and non-progressive way of thinking, you know, to be ageist before someone has demonstrated any signs of age, apart from tripping up steps, which we all do, or falling off a bicycle on the beach, which, you know, is perfectly natural. Bicycles don't belong on beaches. I mean, Mitch, we should just just mention Mitch McConnell had a bit of a mental malfunction earlier today when he did a press conference and just froze mid-press conference for like 20 seconds, like mid-sentence, and then was kind of led away. Now, he had a concussion three months ago when he fell, he fell. and broke his yeah. shoulder yeah. and or, or, or yeah, he damaged his, his shoulder. And I mean, I've had a concussion last year and it lasted three months and yeah you ask one minute you're talking the next minute you stop i mean i hope it's not more serious than that the guy could have had a stroke live on television but you know if you want to talk about age and how it's affecting leaders of political parties why don't they look to the leader of the republicans in the senate yeah well two things about that so yes uh you have him who's very old you also have uh uh, Donald Trump is 77. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you got Pelosi and you got Feinstein. I mean, both parties, you have people that are quite old. And so I, I saw some tweets today from Republicans and Democrats, both saying, geez, you know, we have so many people in their eighties, you know, that are in, in the, the highest echelons of American politics. This seems to be a strange era of American politics. I don't know that we've had that before. Um, but it is. But I think that it's a function also of the baby boomer generation, sort of the last gasp of it as yes. far as being political, political power players. And then and then I think it's that's going to all go away in a, in a big hurry. But so that's number one. Number two is this this incident also shows the diabolical nature of Mitch McConnell in like his chess game, because he knew when he got reelected in 2020 to a new six year term that it was unlikely given his health that he would be able to serve all six years. So what he, and and he also knew that Kentucky has a very popular democratic governor in Andy Bashir, who was likely to win reelection and he's doing quite well in the polls. So what he didn't want was Andy Bashir appointing a Democrat. If he, if McConnell was unable to fill out his term. So What happened was the Republican legislature imposed, uh, passed a new law saying that Bashir must choose a Republican and they have to provide the slate, the party, Republican Party, 
provides a slate of three names, and he must choose one of those three. So he he kind of rigged the game yeah. <laughs> so that Bashir can't appoint whoever he wants. He's got to appoint who the Republicans want. Um, and and it, it passed. Bashir vetoes it. Then they overrode his veto. So it is Kentucky law. So he also, that, he also rigged his own election, thing. though, didn't he? He rigged his own election because he reduced the yeah. number of polling places in Kentucky so that, you know, people just didn't bother because they couldn't get there. I mean, places like Kentucky and West Virginia, Joe Manchin's place, I mean, these places are some of the poorest places in the country. I mean, like total food deserts. You can't get vegetables. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's painful. And yet these people have such power in, in D.C. It's just, it blows my mind. Um, okay, let's move on to uh, someone who I find absolutely fascinating, and that's Peter Navarro. Um, <laughs> I, I just I find him fascinating. To me, he's, Maybe no one's ever said that before. Well, because he's a complete <laughs> anomaly. It's like he, he's quite eloquent and he's charismatic, but mm. he's also... He's, He's either really dumb or, you know, he says all the quiet parts out loud. He, he basically has gone on TV several times and totally exposed the coup and what they plan to do. But this time he's starting to get even more serious, isn't he? Let's um, show this clip. Roughly half of Republicans and over a third of Democrats believe America is on the brink of civil war. If such an unthinkable war breaks out, it will be the Democrats' fault. In their quest for power, radical elements within the Democrat Party have abandoned any pretense of fairness, tolerance, and justice. In their woke new world, Democrat strategists use unscrupulous lawfare tactics to skew our election system, even as weaponized bureaucracies like the Department of Justice, FBI, and National Archives, now under Democratic control, seek to destroy the Republican Party and its de facto leader, Donald Trump. The Democrat activists and strategists now driving this nation towards a second civil war have neither justice nor righteousness on their side. Instead, they are attempting to trample on our religions, disarm us, and impose all manner of woke, social, cultural, and economic changes that are far outside the bounds of America's traditions, traditional values, and constitutional roots. My strong admonition to these Democrats, as I appeal to the wiser in your party, is this. Back this anti-democratic truck up before it runs over you. Do you not understand that the longer you engage in your assaults on American families and values, the more likely a new civil war becomes. And do you not understand that the perverse precedents you are creating through your weaponized bureaucracies and woke attacks will come back to haunt you as soon as Republicans take back Trump's America from your cold, woke hands? It's so dangerous, isn't it, what he's saying? I mean, it's, it's preposterous. It's untrue. But the level of conviction is such that anybody who doesn't know any different is going to be like, oh, no. Yeah, there's multiple things going on here. Number one, you have all the Trump henchmen like him who are all lining up for jobs in the next administration. So Peter Navarro very badly wants a job in the next Trump administration yeah. because he's floundering out there. He's 
trying to publish books. He's got his little sub stack there that you just saw, and he's got his podcast. None of those things are doing very well. He's not making much money. He's ringing up hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal bills because he's being prosecuted for refusing to show up for his January 6th subpoena. So he's desperately trying to get in Trump's good graces by helping with the threats, you know, threatening that there's going to be riots, there's going to be a civil war if you prosecute, you know, the cult leader. So that's the second thing. That's the first thing is Peter's trying to get a job. Second is Peter's trying to ingratiate himself by threatening the riots and all of that. And then, you know, trying to intimidate the prosecutors by saying, if you prosecute Trump and Trump wins, he's going to turn the tables on you and go after you. Again, you know, all of these things, I don't understand how they're getting away with it. There's no way that the average American could threaten prosecutors, threaten judges and get away with it. But these, these clowns seem to think like they can say anything and threaten anything and nothing happens. So far, they're right. Well, saying that, I'm aware that Jack Smith is writing everything down that Trump's saying at the moment, right? And, you, and we'll yep. be using it against him because, you know, Trump's posts on Truth Social in the last few days have been so explicit. He's really panicking. He's really, you know, getting worried. And the way he deals with that is he just starts to really go for those who are after him. And, you know, the fact that he's broken the law multiple times is of, is of no consequence to him. He just sees it as a, as a witch hunt. But Jack Smith is not going to allow Trump to get away with saying these things and posting these things. Surely all of this will feature in the, in the prosecution. Yeah, the best way to find out what Jack Smith is up to is from Donald Trump's social media feed. <laughs> because, you know, Jack Smith runs a tight ship. There's no leaks coming out of that shop. Yeah. You know, they, they, there's nothing that comes out of his office. So how can you tell what's really going on behind the scenes from Donald Trump? Whenever, you know, like this last few days, he's completely come unglued about this January 6th prosecution. So this is how you know for sure it's the real deal. Like his lawyers are being told he is being indicted yeah. because he's losing his mind this week over this. Yeah. Um, and it's gotten progressive. But today's even crazier than yesterday. So, yeah, that's how we know an indictment is happening is. Donald Trump leaks everything. The, the, this, I just want to focus for a second on this phrase of, of civil war because, you know, Navarro's mm. used this before. He, he, I mean, he loves this stuff. You know, some people kind of revel in this idea of there being a kind of actual kind of hand-to-hand -hand combat between Republicans and Democrats. And, and he is, you know, a proponent of this. The reality is, and I discovered some more of this when I was interviewing this January 6th defendant the other day, is that, is that, you know, a lot of these Republicans are locked and loaded, to quote Pam Hemphill. You know, they, they are ready with their well-regulated militia, or even not very well-regulated militia, in the event that, you know, something happens to their leader. This is really dangerous. I mean, we shouldn't, I don't want to scare people, but I'm also very aware of the fact that the people who are angry and, you know, are prepared to fight yet again. I mean, it'll be January 6th all over again, but it'll be all over the country. Yeah, I'm, I don't fear a second, uh, an actual, like, real civil war. I mean, because I don't think that there's any political leadership for that. Plus, I think that the firmness with which the January 6th defendants have been held to account 
has played has been a factor in that um in terms of like every time they talk about doing some kind of rally or protest there's a lot of chatter on the right saying hey be careful you know they're looking to get us again right nobody do anything stupid so so there's a lot of that caution on their part that you never heard in the past the real danger though is isolated incidents you know is somebody yeah, i was gonna say that lone, lone gunman and people yeah, like that yeah a lone gunman assassinating uh you know a political leader of the Democratic Party or a prosecutor or a judge. Yeah. That's really the concern. We have seen some of those incidents already. And I think, yes, if Trump is indicted for January, I think as long as they see Trump is free, you know, and, and he's telling them that he's going to win in the end, they're, they're good. But I think the moment that they realize Trump is finished and it's all over, that's the real dangerous yeah. time. And we're, we're not there yet. Um, let's uh, lighten things up with the Barbie movie just for a moment. Have you seen it yet? <laughs> no, I'm not going to see the Barbie movie. No. I, I, I'm going to give it to you as homework for next week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Because yeah. I plan on seeing it between now and now and next week. Okay. Uh, go see Oppenheimer. And so I see you much more as an Oppenheimer guy than Definitely. a Barbie guy. You know, but Definitely. I, I, I'm, I'm going to... I actually went to see Oppenheimer here in Los Angeles and the film burned up in the projector at the very beginning really? of the movie. Like it fizzed and burned because they're wow. showing it on 70 millimeter film and they weren't able to show it. So, so I can't get a ticket to go again. Anyway, that aside, let's talk about Ben Shapiro. He claims that his people forced him to go to see the film and it was so woke and he gave all this stuff. I'll show the video and then we'll, we'll talk about it. It's only a brief clip, but this is, this is Ben Shapiro. What the f running? What a lovely man. So, you know, they like to do this stuff to get a little publicity and get a little attention for their podcasts and stuff. And what the plan here is is to trigger liberals, to get liberals upset. That gets them in the news. That gets them attention. The reason why that didn't work this time is because right-wingers turned on Ben Shapiro <laughs> over this clip. Uh, they thought it was ridiculous. I mean, the MAGA thought that Ben Shapiro was ridiculous, stupid, dumb. This whole thing was insane. Actually, a decent percentage of MAGA actually liked the Barbie movie and said, you know, this is not this this movie is not the the choice for our culture war. We need to fight it on other places, not not over Barbie. Um, so Ben Shapiro uh, got a lot of hate back at him, not just from the left and the media over this, but from his from the right. And, and it doesn't help that he's a DeSantis supporter. So the Trump people already don't like him because of that. But yeah, this this really backfired on him. I think that that clip I posted on Twitter is like at 20 million views right now. That's how much blowback he got. So It's a shame that his supporters didn't come to their senses earlier, <laughs> you know, and realize that he's, he's bad news. Because maybe this is actually, there's a serious point here, and that is that the more ridiculous MAGA people become, the more yeah. chance there is that more kind of even-tempered and even-minded people will be like, no, I mean, why are you making a fuss of that? And if you're making a fuss about the Barbie movie, 
then why are you making such a fuss about trans people in society? You see what I mean? There's a small chance that there's some crossover. What um, you said is the whole main point behind my Twitter account from day yeah. one, which is to take the most extreme, crazy, nutty things that they say and do and put it out there to the general public and let them see it and to challenge the public and say, this is who MAGA is. Is this who you really want to be affiliated with? And and that that Shapiro Barbie burning is just a perfect example of how we can win the culture war by showing how absurd and extreme they are. Um, talking of absurd and extreme, um, RFK Jr. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. It's just beggar's belief that this guy is even allowed to have a national platform, considering that he is obviously so unwell. I don't know what's happened to this guy over the years, but, you know, the fact that he can lie so blatantly whilst under oath about what he said over the years about vaccines and now COVID. And to top it all, the genius that is Ron DeSantis, whose campaign appears to be collapsing and he's having to fired like two thirds of his team, wants RFK to assume a position in his future administration. I'll show the clip and then you can tell us exactly what this is about. Yes, the medical stuff, I'm very good on that. So that does appeal to me, but there's a whole host of other things that he'd probably be out of step with. And so on that regard, it's like, okay, if you're president, you know, sick him on the FDA if he'd be willing to serve or sick him on CDC. Uh, but in terms of being Veep, if there's, you know, 70% of the issues that he may be averse to our base on, you know, that just creates an issue. RFK and the CDC. <laughs> this is so, frightening. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the person doing DeSantis's makeup needs to remember the, to, the ears. Uh, you got to yeah. get the ears. You can't, you can't do the whole face that dark and have yeah. it white ears. Well, maybe Donald Trump did it for him. <laughs> Yeah. So that's first. Uh, I, I like trivial asides. But uh, yeah, I mean, somebody also I saw on clear, uh, Twitter, some right winger said, well, he didn't say he was going to make him CDC director. He said he was going to sick him on the CDC. No, that's what he said. Yeah. He said if he's willing to serve when he says sick him on the CDC, he means put him in charge of it to to take them to task and dismantle it and all of that. So, well, he has no value on the CDC. He doesn't respect here, here, the CDC. And during COVID, he, he was fudging all the CDC numbers and not right. publishing them in Florida. So clearly he wants to put RFK in a place that he doesn't even respect. Here's what DeSantis knows. DeSantis knows that the MAGA base loves RFK Jr. over his stance on vaccines and COVID. They don't like anything else about RFK Jr., but they love that. And they've loved that for a long time. RFK Jr. has been big in the MAGA movement for three years. That's what yeah. people, a lot of people don't realize. Yeah. People think he just came out of nowhere to run for president. He's been out there with these people at their conferences and events for three years now, um, spewing all this stuff. So DeSantis is trying to get some traction with the Trump people. And so here he is, you know, praising RFK Jr in order to try and get some of that, that traction. But, you know, here's the problem. DeSantis right now has a problem with the donor class, the establishment Republicans that are financing his campaign, the Wall Street guys, the bigwigs, the fat cats. And when they hear stuff like this, that, and these are all Republicans, you know, when they hear that he wants to put RFK Jr. in charge of the CDC, they say, why are we backing this guy? So 
So again, it's the constant mistake that DeSantis makes. He says things to try and pander to voters that he's never going to get. And by doing so, he pisses off the people that he could win over. There is a through line with Republican leaders or wannabe leaders or governors, and that is lying, right? I've been thinking about this a lot. There is so much lying that, you know, Democrats just don't need to lie, right? They, they have their views, they stick to them, and they, they, I'm not denying that a Democrat hasn't told a lie, but I'm just saying that when it comes to politics, especially electioneering, so much of what comes out of Republicans' mouths is either false or it's propaganda or it's just an outright lie. And, and DeSantis is a perfect example. You know, he will change his story depending on which audience he's playing to. And this is, you know, as we know, we've discussed this before about Trump doing it at rallies and how he kind of tweaks the, the narrative. But it must be really hard to kind of just be a permanent live in a space where you're just permanently lying and altering the truth and, and, and just creating some kind of false narrative. It must be exhausting. Well, I think the other leaders of the Republican Party see that it's worked for Donald Trump. I mean, he never gets held account to account for his lies, so they yeah. think they can get away with it too. But, you know, I was uh, talking to Tim Miller earlier today, who's uh, from the circus uh, on Showtime about this, and I said, well, you know, I don't think he really would put him in charge of the CDC. I think he's just saying that to pander to the voters. And he made a good point. He's like, well, he put Joseph Ladapo as his surgeon general. So anything's possible. And yeah, so it's, it's, not, it's not crazy to think that he actually would do that. Now, part of the reason why he's had to cut all this staff is because he's been spending too much money and arguably on the wrong things. Tell us about Laura Loomer, because she kind of went on TV and explained that DeSantis was using campaign money to set up some kind of retreat, which she referred to as Hoochie Mama Central. Um, what exactly is this? And is this part of the problem with DeSantis is just like wasting money on, on kind of, I don't know, meditation weekends? You know... People give Laura Loomer a hard time, and, and I understand why, you know, but Laura Loomer is is just like her whole life right now is relentlessly attacking and destroying DeSantis. <laughs> She's very good at it. And so, like, I'm along for the ride here. Uh, sometimes people say, why you post Laura Loomer? Well, I'm posting Laura Loomer attacking DeSantis. So, so yeah, she's she's. Been done some pretty good behind the scenes reporting on what he's been up to that the mainstream press hasn't picked up on. And part of it is because she knows a lot of the people behind the scenes. So she's getting information fed to her from people close to DeSantis. So this was a retreat where he goes out and spends $87,000 of campaign money to rent out this very expensive place where all these big money donors show up. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I know some of the people who were there, and he, she he, he said she said it was like Hoochie Mama Central with all these rich dudes and their young trophy wives milling around, and um, and it was kind of absurd. But you know, DeSantis was trying to do one of these at Martha's Vineyard this week too, but had to cancel it because not he didn't get enough people that was willing to show up. So that that's what's hurting him right now is he he's he's losing a lot of the big money people. And of course, he's been criticized for how much money he's, he's been spending. Okay, let's take a look at this. It's pretty funny. 
High Dollar Donor Retreat in Deer Valley, uh, Utah, at the resort that uh, Ron DeSantis spent over $87,000 of his dwindling campaign resources for uh, this weekend. And I don't know if I'm like at a strip club or a high dollar donor retreat for Ron DeSantis's campaign. But um, but yeah, it's like Hoochie Mama Central in Deer Valley, uh, Utah. And uh, these are super bundlers for Ron DeSantis with their trophy wives. And uh, as you can see from that video. A song in my head, it makes me sing like that. And I'm ready to go. And I'm ready to go. Looks like a whole bag of fun. Could have gone to Mar-a-Lago and had a very similar weekend. By the way, people ask why why does Laura Loomer hate um, Ron DeSantis so much? Two reasons. Um, number one, she was banned for like three years from all social media platforms. And she is mad at him because she's a Florida resident and Ron DeSantis never spoke up to try and defend her uh, when she was deplatformed. That's number one. Number two, she ran for Congress and almost won. Um, she lost by, I think, like less than 1% to another Republican in the primary, Daniel Webster. So what happened was when DeSantis redrew his district maps, he cut out a part of the county that was very pro-Loomer, part of the district. And so she feels like he went out of his way to screw her in that election by redrawing her district lines, which cost her the race, which she may be correct about. So so those are the two reasons why Laura Loomer is just relentlessly attacking DeSantis. And I, when I say I'm along for the ride, that means occasionally I post her stuff, um, even though I don't agree with her on a lot of things. You know, she's a very useful DeSantis critic. Let's talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene quickly, because uh, she's responded to being expelled from the House Freedom Caucus. Wasn't she expelled because of that altercation with Lauren Boebert on the floor of the House arguing about whose turn it was to impeach Joe Biden. Is that the reason she got booted out? Um, I think that was one of the last straws, um, but this has been brewing for a year, this right. feud. Uh, and I, it really goes back to her and Matt Gates. Uh, when they, about a year ago, they decided to do this tour of the country and do all these rallies. And I went to one of them in the villages, um, one of the Gates Green rallies. Quite, It was quite a scene. Um, and um, so the idea was that they were going to team up these two big, you know, MAGA stars and they were going to make a lot of money. They were going to travel the country, draw huge crowds and make a ton of money. Well, what happened is they lost money. Yeah. <laughs> they lost money. They, they, they spent more money than they took in. The crowds weren't as big as they thought. And Marjorie Taylor Greene probably correctly blamed Matt Gates for that. But it, it, because Matt Gates is not a draw. And Matt Gates, whenever he tries to do an event outside of either DC or Northwest Florida, nobody shows up. Nobody shows up for Matt Gates. So she found that out that she was basically and she's correct like at the when i went matt gates people couldn't give his signs and t-shirts away everybody wanted the green stuff she so uh she was carrying him and the reason why she ended up losing money on that deal was because of him so so they basically broke she ditched him she she got rid of him and and went solo and actually finished that tour by herself 
So what happened is Matt Gates kind of replaced her with a new wingman, which is Lauren Boebert. And right. the two of them became inseparable. I and wouldn't so want to get between those two. That's really what started this whole thing was it all goes back to that. And then when McCarthy became, here's, here's the other thing that happened when McCarthy, Marge really um, cares about power, influence, fame, money. She has her own, you know, store where she sells Marge gear. She has her podcast. She has all these business enterprises off of politics. And what she made the decision in January that these guys in the Freedom Caucus, she was never going to get where she wanted to go by being with these guys. Because these guys are always backbenchers, bomb throwers. They're never committee chairs. They're never speaker. They never get in positions of power. They're just crazy people throwing crazy shit out there. So she made the decision that, I'm going to leave, I'm going to split with these people. So when all, when the Freedom Caucus opposed McCarthy for speaker, Green split with them and made the decision, I'm going to get in bed, maybe literally, with Kevin McCarthy, and I'm going to hitch my wagon to McCarthy. I'm going to help McCarthy become speaker, and McCarthy is going to take care of me. And that's pretty much what has happened. But then, yes, the, the final straw was Lauren Boebert got her impeachment resolution of the floor, which was Marge's baby. Marge went off, called her a little bitch. And I think from that point forward, uh, Boebert and Gates decided we're, we're getting rid of Green and we're kicking her out. And that's what happened. Which could turn out to be even more dangerous because, you know, she seems to have become outside of the caucus, which is a pretty extreme group in itself. She yes. seems to have become you know, vitriolic, and now her rhetoric is, is even more extremist. Let's see what she had to say off the back of this. Freedom Caucus, there are going to be some fights over the budget coming up, and the threats of shutdowns and whatnot. That Freedom Caucus is, you know, to the American people, to conservatives like me, it's important because it's our voice. It's our voice saying, stop with the spending, stop with the insanity, stop with this crazy budgeting. You're on it for a while. You're not now, and I think it's. I think the Freedom Caucus is missing a VIP, very important person on that. Uh, thoughts on, on not being part of that? Well, I'm not interested in games, and I'm not interested in pulling pranks, and I'm not interested in just fighting leadership. I think that's a complete waste of time. Uh, the voters in my district sent me to Washington to get things accomplished, and that's why I'm here. Uh, and I have said all along that the power of the purse is extremely important. And that's where appropriation bills are. So I didn't get engaged in silly flight fights and, and anti-leadership fights because I saw those as a complete waste of time. Where we can make a real difference for conservatives across America, like you, Eric, like myself, like the great people in my district, um, and many hardworking Americans, is making sure that our appropriation bills serve America first and make sure that they spend the American people's tax dollars appropriately. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't take any shenanigans or games to get that done. It just takes the hard work of, of pushing forward and making sure we vote appropriately. Well, she's sitting in a throne while saying that, which that's the first thing I noticed. The really, it's so funny. I mean, she sounds like a 1985 Democrat right there. Like, um, send me to come and bring home the bacon. I'm going to bring home the appropriations. I mean, that's what she just said. She's saying like what she's saying there is the Freedom Caucus people never get anything done. They never get their bills passed. They're far right. And I realize that now. And I realize that to, to get what I want in appropriations for my district and et cetera, et cetera, 
I've got to, I've got to leave these people behind and hook up with leadership. It's sort of like, you know, somebody who becomes famous and ditches their, their wife for the new one, you know, I mean, the young one, that's what she's basically done with them. Um, I also made Margie mad this week. She got upset at me again. Um, because I, I posted the clip of her. She just posted a little clip of her walk. She likes to post videos of her walking yes. and have she's always someone filming her walking. Her walking. Right. So she's just films herself walking through a park. So I just decided I, 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 by the way, do not believe she was the January 6th pipe bomber. Um, I have other, another person that is my suspect, but I know most people, most Democrats do. So I thought I would just annoy they her do? And, i'm not even aware of that of that conspiracy oh yes uh, yeah there's a huge millions of democrats believe marjorie taylor green was the pipe bomber they because do? of uh how she walks the shoes all, all of that there's a whole there's a whole theory um i don't believe that myself but i thought i would i was bored i think it was like friday night i just decided i wanted to mess with her a little bit maybe it was sunday night so i um I just posted her, the picture of her walking and I said, she's doing the pipe bomber shuffle. And, uh, I didn't say she was a pipe bomber. I just said, you know, she walked like the pipe bomber and she went crazy. She was pretty upset, you know, and, uh, I'm not surprised, Ron, you really, you really stepped over the, uh, MTG line there. It's not so interesting. I, I, I need to look <laughs> into this story because, you know, I yeah. obviously do a lot of reading. I have never, ever come across this conspiracy theory that Marjorie Taylor Greene is the, is, the, oh. is, the, is the pipe bomber. So I just wonder if that is, again, like right-wing, you know, faction conspiracy theories that have been planted online. But I've, I don't know of a no. single senior Democrat that would ever consider that as an option and i i don't maybe, consider that maybe not a senior democrat but millions of people on twitter <laughs> no it's it's definitely there search it you'll see okay you'll see. remember yeah. twitter's not real you do know that don't you yeah i i know yeah, a lot of it's coming out of the kremlin uh okay let's let's talk about dylan mulvaney now the nemesis of maga tell us this story yeah so I mean, Dylan Mulvaney is somebody that a lot of Democrats don't know, but every Republican knows. And uh, he, uh, Dylan Mulvaney is a trans person who transitioned male to female. So where he really became big in the MAGA consciousness was a new marketing director at Bud Light sent Dylan Mulvaney a Bud Light can with her face on it. And she posted on Instagram. She got paid, I don't know what it was, maybe a few bucks uh, to post that on Instagram to try to appeal to the trans community to drink Bud Light. Okay. So MAGA went absolutely nuts. And so all this controversy over Bud Light was all over Dylan Mulvaney, over the fact that Dylan Mulvaney was sent a beer can with her face on. That's the whole reason for the yeah. Bud Light boycott. So, so they, they are constantly posting stuff about Dylan Mulvaney every week so dylan just posted that picture on her instagram a new photo going blonde and um and and so a lot it, it was getting passed around maga and a lot of them were saying you know if i didn't know any better you know she looks pretty good here if i didn't know she was trans i would i might i might ask her out so i decided to create some controversy and posted that and said, you know, if, if Dylan Mulvaney went to a Trump rally, half the men would hit on her and some of the single ones would too. 
and they went absolutely nuts. You know, they went, they had just attacked me for like two days straight. If you look at the replies under that, you'll see. But I mean, it was Fox hosts were posting, Newsmax hosts were posting, politicians, you know. And and the reason what it brought out and what I was hoping it would bring out was their homophobia. Because I've always contended that all of the stuff that they say about the LGBTQ community where they claim that their opposition to it is all about children and protecting children is all nonsense. The truth of it is they're homophobic and they don't like gay yeah. people. And that came out under that post because they were all, it, the replies to that post from the right were extremely blatantly homophobic. And, and that's why I posted that, just to bring all that out into the open. That's why there's only one Republican gay person in Congress. <laughs> That's why Republican people have, you know, the, 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 the numbers of, of gay people in Republican communities are far less. Is because everyone's keeping it quiet on the lowdown, not coming out, marrying people of the opposite sex, not living their truth. I mean, the, the amount of repression that exists for the sake of politics it's tragic it really is i mean even even trump gets criticism because he holds the log cabin republican which is the gay republican group he holds their annual awards dinner at miralago every year yeah. because they write him a big fat check and he gets pushback from maga people about that they don't like the fact that he he holds that event at miralago uh, we have time for just one more story. I want to talk about uh, James Comer um, because he is, of course, the one who's doing all these investigations into the Biden crime family, as it's called, and he's not been getting very far. And, and yet again, another one of his um, star witnesses has backed out again. Tell us about this. Look, I, I've said this before. I, you know, I followed the Hunter Biden stuff from day one, way back in 2020 when Rudy threw it all out on the internet. And um, so I'm very, very familiar with what's on the laptop, all the emails, the photos, everything. I've seen it all. So none of this is a surprise to me. Look, what's clear to me, and I've said this to Democrats who haven't seen that stuff, is that Hunter Biden was very out of his mind on drugs using his dad's name to to get money to to solicit people acting like he had influence over his dad when over policy when in reality he had none um and he may have made some money off of that and i'm i excuse nothing that hunter biden did i would not vote for hunter biden if he ran for president so the key is hear what they're saying this star witness that they've had who has reneged on them three times he's been lined up to testify including this past Monday, he's backed out on him every time. Now he's scheduled a fourth time this Monday where he's supposed to testify. But what is this guy really supposed to say? Well, he's, he's supposedly a former friend of Hunter Biden, who when Hunter Biden was in Ukraine with this Ukrainian oligarch, this guy was in the room when Hunter calls his dad, puts his dad on speakerphone, and because Hunter is trying to show off and Hunter's trying to show Hey, I can get my dad on the phone anytime, the vice president. And 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 what this guy's gonna say is that Joe got on the phone and just gave some non-committal pleasantries. Hey, how you guys doing? Have a nice time. Nothing about business, nothing about policy. That's it. Just the fact that Hunter got Joe Biden on the phone. That's the big revelation that this guy is supposed to testify to. Who cares? You know, who cares? 
But unfortunately, the spin is that, you know, the Republican or the MAGA Republicans don't care for the detail. All they care for is the top line. And, you know, this all this new rhetoric of, you know, investigating the Bidens, the Biden crime family, trying to get Donald Trump's two impeachments expunged, which is a great word, and trying to impeach Joe Biden. All of this stuff is diktat coming down from Donald Trump. This is like, again, last-ditch attempts, a bit like sending the mob into the Capitol, last-ditch attempts to try and rig the election or swing the election in Trump's favour because he knows that down the line these indictments and prosecutions are all on their way. And so, you know, they're, they're literally doing anything they can to try and take some of the shine off of Joe Biden's presidency. But, you know, I, I say that I talk a lot to moderate voters who do tell me that their reservations about Joe Biden are his age and all of that. I have never once had one of them say to me anything about Hunter Biden's laptop. This just simply doesn't have any traction with the average American. It's an online thing. Like you say, Twitter's not real world. In this particular case, the Hunter Biden laptop is a very big deal on social media, but with the average American, it doesn't register. Um, we almost have to go, but I want to show one clip before we go because it's so brilliant and so funny. And it's the it's the Marsha Blackburn cr- uh, clip where she talks about the fact that the, the Biden administration is trying to get everybody to switch to change their light bulbs or switch to electric instead of gas. And uh, she makes no sense. But then the, the kicker in this is when she goes, it's like they're trying to kind of make everything and i'm not going to say what it is we should just watch it it's super funny here she is been your washing machine and your dishwasher and your fireplace your light bulbs anything that they can go after that is a convenience item that makes life easier at home they're trying to change the standards on this in order to have people buy more efficient appliances why and harris people don't want this efficient trying to make life and all of these appliances more efficient, which means your bill goes down. You spend less money and it doesn't damage the planet. I mean, the, the, the hypocrisy is rife. The sad thing about the Republican Party is it really has become anti-science, anti-progress, anti-technology. I mean, things that are going to advance the human race and make it better, they're against. And anything that they can make short-term political capital on they're they're again they're 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 gonna come out in favor of that if it benefits them in the short term whether it benefits the human race in the long run they would have been against doing away with horse and buggies and they would have been against the car they would have been against the light bulb in favor of the candle um that's that's where they're at they they are a dark age party they are against any they're against windmills they're against solar you know, anything that could benefit humanity and the planet over the long run, they're against. And that, that's not really a good place to be. Well, they're also against women and against black people and against gay people and trans people and, you know, and right. kids, obviously. You know, so it, it, I'm, I'm pleased to hear you say that as a, as a lifelong Republican, that you recognize that this doesn't serve anybody. And, you know, my greatest fear, because I'm big into climate, and, you know, on 5-Minute News, I, I spend a lot of time covering climate. 
you know, the temperature in the in the water in Florida, coastal waters in Florida, was 101, over 101 degrees yesterday. I mean, dolphins will not survive in the in these waters. You know, it's like I don't know. I just it, it's it's like that movie. Don't look up. It's like it makes no sense to me if you cannot see what is happening to the planet and the climate right now, like as we speak. I mean, I'm not wearing a jacket today because it is simply too hot, and I apologize to anybody who's offended by my by my bare shoulders. But I just couldn't put a jacket on because it's 92 degrees. It's like it's too much. Um, okay, listen, we have to finish. But Ron, thank you so much as ever. You can uh, catch him on Twitter, Ron Filipkowski. I'm the Anthony Davis on Twitter. And on Threads, we'll be back with another MAGA Uncovered next Wednesday at the same time. You can download the audio podcast later tonight and listen to us again if you missed anything while you drift off to sleep. Have yourself a really great week. Thanks, Ron. See you.